All right, welcome everybody and a big welcome to our first ever edition of Rick and Force's Feeding Frenzy. We're sitting here in the car. We're on location, actually, down at the Albany uh, Foreshore and we've got two very special guests with me. Firstly is our big captain, Big Rick. You want to say a quick g'day? Yeah, g'day listeners. G'day Bryce. How you going? And of course, we've got the centurion, the big man, Jake the Snake, and he's here with us for a first ever episode. G'day, Jake. Yeah, thanks for having me, boys. Uh, lovely to have you on board, mate. Now, um, being the first episode, we thought we had to get a legacy such as yourself in here for a bit of a chat, and we've got some big news, and I think, Rick, you can tell us all about what our big news is. Oh, yeah, so well, after three years, four years, I should say, um, the Sharks have had their second ever league win um, fresh as of Sunday, uh, so the boys are still on a bit of a high. We beat Denmark Walpole. On Sunday, we beat them by what, four goals in the end, and the boys are up and about, the whole club's up and about, and it's just great. It, it definitely was great, and uh, it's, it's been a long time coming. I mean, uh, it's coming from someone who's sort of been outside the club a little bit, couldn't help but feel the energy the second that siren went, we, we, and we knew officially that we had locked away that game in the bag. Jake, your second win, how does that compare to your first time around? Oh, uh, look... You know, in all honesty, the first time we got that win under our belts, it was like a premiership. We celebrated. Uh, we went absolutely bloody nutso. But um, that was a completely different story to what we're contending with now. Um, that was round 15. It was the last game of the year, and Barker were out of contention for finals. And, uh, yeah, we ran them off their feet. Now it's round one and we've got our whole future ahead of us. So we're just looking forward to the bigger picture and contending for a full season um, and just building on what we've, uh, what we've created so far. Fantastic. And that's, that's probably the biggest thing is the build this year. The pre-season was epic. Uh, both of you had a very successful AFLX uh, carnival over in Borden this year. Uh, Rick, how did you feel about the team leading into Borden? How did you feel you guys were going to be sort of... Um, put up against other sides who are benchmarks of their own regions. Yeah, it was hard to know, Bryce, first hit out, but I had a good feeling going into it. Guys like Taj and, you know, Hammer, and we knew we were going to be quick. Um, and we, we had a really good carnival, and that's the thing, we weren't at our best. There were so many guys, guys like Bryce and Banksy, that didn't play. Um, and we still managed to have a really good carnival, went in there, got two wins. We drew with... What, late Grace, who made the grand final. Yeah, that's right. They played um, against North Albany. Um, they, yeah. they came away second best on that one. Yeah, but, but, um, but you know, we put up a really good fight against them. We probably, yeah, we realistically probably should have won that game against them. But, um, you know, it was a great carnival. And in the lead up, we've been doing a lot of full ground drills with Tags. Tags was you know, a really good coach on the day in the lead up and were able to implement a lot of them into that, that carnival. So... That was good, just sort of being able to see like what you've been training for, I suppose. Yeah, and I think the difference this year with tags is basically from the get-go, we've all been talking about skill-based training. We haven't been talking about fitness, going down the beach, running 20 miles. We've been talking about skills-based, mm. and the fitness will follow. Jake, how do you feel about that sort of approach going in, in as a coach? And as being a coach yourself, how do you feel about that approach as a pre-season? Yeah, look, I, I'm a little bit biased. I've known Tags for years. I went to went to uni uh, about sort of nine years ago with him. 
Um, but he's a great advocate of the modern game. Uh, and he really, he, he studies it and he knows how to impart that from your best players down to, you know, your, your guys who are struggling to get a resi's run. And the results that he's gotten out of our whole lineup stands to speak for itself. Um, it's, it's invaluable with two league coaches who are a bit more old school and preach culture and, you know, hardness and intensity at the game. And then you've got a guy like Tags who comes in and he understands the modern game inside and out and can preach... You know these uh, these simple structures that uh, have obviously sort of taken us uh, another step forward. Yeah, and I think that's exactly right. The another step forward is exactly how the club energy feels as a whole, uh, from the 16s right up to your league side. It is just fantastic out there at the moment. And um, I guess the big question is, are we going to see more coaches like Tags coming through as we continue forward? Yeah, I think so. And like, you know, Jazz, Jeremy Sutherland's come across. Um, great guy, really knowledgeable, um, been coaching for years. And I think we'll see more of them just come across. And, you know, it doesn't have to be a full-time coaching role, but just have some sort of input on game day or who knows, they might get the bug. But they'll be there, I think. And I think it's just going to attract more. Yeah, for sure. And I guess going forward, the next the next question is... Um, how are the new coaches going to go with the six 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 rule being implemented into our into our gameplay at the moment? How do how do we feel like the coaches are managing that in this early stage? I think it's pretty simple. Um, you know, Denmark got uh, that they came away with giving away a few free kicks to us, which we were able to capitalise on, and we were pretty strict on it. But if you watch. If you watch AFL, you should have a fair understanding of how it works. And it basically just disallows people to float players behind the ball and sort of clog up forward lines, um, which allows for a more free-flowing form of game. So, Yeah, I was going to ask what you guys thought of it. Like, Bryce, you snake. Yeah, what was your, what's your take of it so far? I mean, as you said, like, a lot more free-flowing. It allows for those one-on-ones. Only last year when we played Royals, a lot of the time, yeah, they'd drop that extra guy back or even two, and I was thinking about it, and sometimes it was sort of six on eight, you know, at some stage, and the ball's coming in quick. There's just a loose guy just picking off that ball. The one-on-ones are six on six, just more like traditional footy. Mm. And back to that, and, you know, that man-on-man style, I think it's good. Well, it's funny you talk about the traditional footy and, um, you know, obviously we're going into the 6-6-6, which is more your old-school style of game. But then the next question is, if you're going to start focusing on that, are we going to see the end of the bounce down? Is that going to be the end of, of um, bouncing down the game to start or um, bouncing in the rucks at all? I think that's a little bit of an overreaction. Um, <clears throat> you know, that those those basic structures have still been kept and the 666 is just being enforced to go back to that old school, you know, traditional style of setting up whereas flooding was more of a modern concept um you know and uh alistair clarkson was probably a great advocate of it back in the mid to late 2000s and now that just allows the game to sort of open up 
Um, and yeah, we go back to more of a one-on-one approach. Um, and if you've got trust in all three lines, your backs through to your forwards, then it shouldn't be a problem. Um, but, uh, you know, if, if one line in particular sort of lets you down, then, then it becomes a real hassle because it starts coming in real clean and quick. Um, so, hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah, I sort of thought, you know, because we've got a really powerful forward line, but oh, it's absolutely. up to us mids to get it to them, you know. We've got a strong midfield back line as well, I believe, but it's just, yeah, it puts the challenge on you, you know, that one-on-one in there, there's no half-forwarder, there's no extra man running in, um, winger, it's just, yeah, got to get it out and back your midfield in. And talking about your strong uh, forward line, I think the biggest, uh, one of the biggest stories of the day was Dwayne Coyne uh, <laughs> being added in as a last-minute change. And boy, oh boy, did he not take on every opportunity that he was given and really make the most of his chances. I mean, uh, uh, w- what else could you say about that? Uh, what do you reckon, Snake? Uh, look, to his credit, I think he only played about half a game. Um, we're still learning... Again, that that trust in each other and uh, and how to rotate properly, um, you know, learning that the bench isn't a punishment as it was when you played under twelves or under fourteens, and it is an absolute luxury to be able to jog off and have a few minutes rest and have someone that you know is going to do the job that is asked of them when they go out there. Um, so we could have used that more, but yeah, full credit to Coiny. He took every opportunity that was presented to him, and um, and he also benefited from the fact that we've got a much more potent lineup out there, and was able to take the the matchups that suited him and capitalise on them. Yeah, exactly. And I think um, just the way those deliveries into him in the forward line were just so penetrating; they were just straight to him in front. He didn't have to do much to lose his man, uh, which, you know, in turn saved his legs, which meant that he was fresh enough to go each time and time again. And as you say, only playing half the game meant that he was just ready to fire and he just wanted that ball. I don't think you could um, you could ask for a better late inclusion than a young Dwayne Coyne getting in there and getting the job done. Oh, yeah, definitely. No, I was down there with him and everything that came his way, you know, I just made the most of it. His first goal was a snap just over his shoulder and he just knew he was on then, you know, he just had a feel for the goals and he kicked one, what, in the third third quarter, that snap from the boundary went in and, yeah, it's just a few things went right for him, I suppose, but that happens. But, yeah, he worked hard all day and he's just, he was just had a great presence down there. So do you find that when somebody's on like that and somebody's really hot, are you going to search for him more? Are you going to try and feed him the ball just that little bit extra? Or are you still going to look for your setups and your plans and your uh, and sticking to your structures? How does it feel on game day when somebody's just red hot like he is on that day? Yeah, I think, you know, you can go to them. Well, there's two ways you can go about it, I suppose. You can go in there looking for him or, you know, you don't want to get too predictable. Um, just keep going to you, you know, yeah. There's so many avenues for goal, I suppose. So we were just sort of putting it forward and Coiny, you know, was crumbing. It was a good lead-out option. Um, uh, yeah, it just sort of... He created opportunities for himself, I suppose. Absolutely. And how did you feel about coming off of that game? Has the team ever, in both of your knowledge of, of the Sharks, has the team ever gelled as well as it did come round one 
straight into it, first test, ready to go. Have you ever felt that sort of gel that you seem to have out there where you guys look like you'd been playing together for the last six years? Yeah, I think I'll take this one after eight years and go being through the real lows <laughs> and the highs, but like not even close. Um, we've, ne- we've never been ready like we were ready for round one. And as we said earlier, that's a full testament to Tags and Chubb and Seji and Jez and, you know, all the players, the way they've gone about pre-season and the effort they've put in. Um, we've obviously been buoyed by, uh, by a few new recruits who have added some real depth to our senior sides and it keeps the rest of us that have, might have gotten a little bit complacent over the years, it keeps the rest of us honest. Um, you know, like when it's just expected that you're going to get a league run every week and you're probably going to run out there and you're probably going to get beaten, it's quite easy to fall into a trap of, uh, of, of complacency and, uh, and laziness. But uh, with the pre-season we had, we had high expectations and it's only one round. There's still plenty more to come. Um, but we we now just want to take it one round at a time. Um, forget about the last one, on to the next one, and just keep building. And you've done all my work for me as our uh, guest today, Jake, and you've led me perfectly into my next question, which is quite simply this. You've played, I think we've decided, 103 games as a league player for the Albany Sharks. You've won two. You've probably got one of the worst win-loss records in all of Australia. Uh, it's a badge you wear with honour, uh, as far as I, as far as I can see. The big question is going forward: how how many wins is it going to take under your belt before you start keeping count? Oh, that's a big question. Any <laughs> question? I've been sitting on it all week long, mate. We've been we've been dying to ask you this one. I think I've already been keeping count for a number of years now, um, but getting to a certain target has never been a goal of mine. Um, I came to the club when they had little to no history at all, just a resi side, a cult side, and at that time a 17s. And I was a bit of a project myself. Uh, I was on the road to recovery from a drug addiction and I saw a project in the club and I thought let's build these two individuals together Um, and slowly but surely we've improved every year Uh, I sat I was there in the back pocket through some hundred uh, 240 point floggings quite a few of them in the first season and then every season we sort of crept closer by an average of about 40 points per game and you know to see something build from nothing and to now be looking to be somewhat successful if I'm calling it early I apologise but it's the beginning of something great and the beginning was a long time ago for me but the beginning is just sort of starting up now for quite a few people and that's the nature of footy yeah Uh, people come and people go but i think the people that we have retained over the years through the hardest times are the kind of people that i want to be playing footy with long term and for guys like banksy 
to finally see some success after some mm. six or this be yeah. sixth year at the club. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that that's invaluable. You know, he missed out on that first opportunity even though he was at, in our league side. Um, he was injured at the time and yeah, it's it's a great feeling to share in something like that after so much adversity. Uh, to now be, you know, finally tasting the chocolate. <laughs> mm. Oh, yeah. No, it's so rewarding. Yeah, those guys that have been around for a while. Yeah, makes he had his had his knee, did his ACL, been around, um, you know, putting the hard work, gives it 100% every week. Like, yeah, it's just it's so good for those guys. It's a safe victory. And it seems you can't throw a stone in the Sharks' locker room without hitting somebody who's got some just real deep lines into the club. They've just got a story to tell about why they're at the club, what they're doing there, and, and how the club not only betters, bettered them, but how they managed to give back and better the club as well and better the upcoming players as we've gone along. And if I can if I can borrow your word, Jake, for a couple of minutes here, um, I guess the big question is who... You, you talk about yourself being a project and also someone taking you on as the club uh, had their own project in you, who would be your advocate for the change, for the, f- you know, for, for the rebirth that was Jake the Snake? Who was the one, who was the real person who sort of took you under their wing and, and said, we're going to make something out of you? Who, who would you most accredit that to? Without a doubt, and he's no longer with us, and it might be contentious, but Alan Smallwood, um, he was the president of the club and he was... He was the man that met me down at ALAC um, while I was having a bit of a shoot around for basketball. Um, And he told me what was going on, that they were building something from nothing and that he wanted me on board. And I couldn't say no. (laughs) He doesn't (laughs) seem like the kind of person that you could say no to. He was a bit of a... He was... Yeah, I'm going to steal your word again. He was an advocate for change. He was a he was a big thinking man, as far as I can see. I've I've, I've uh, was uh, was fortunate enough to catch up with him during our ten year uh, wrap up last year, and he's a man who just oozes vision, doesn't he? He's just something about him says I'm looking at the future all day, every day. There's something about him. He's got a magical spark, and it just seems to be that you'd you'd follow him wherever you had to, wouldn't you? He's not a man of the people. <laughs> he he was quite good at creating enemies, but you're right. He oozed passion, and uh, although a lot of people may not have liked him, they damn well respected him. Definitely. Um, and I was I was one of those. We we butted heads at times, but uh, yeah, I I wouldn't change my time under his leadership for the world sounds um, like he got the best out of you yeah he's a good coach yeah he, he was a great coach and he was another guy that was a great sort of uh, just sort of pool of knowledge of the modern game mm. um, but he just rubbed people the wrong way and that's and that's the way this thing goes it's country footy some people take it far too seriously some other others you know take it right to heart um, he was he was head over heart, but um, he would have bled and uh, sweated and 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 cried for this club, and I'm pretty sure he did on multiple occasions. So 
I'm pretty uh, sure. Smiley, if, you... if you're if you're listening to this, we <laughs> and we hope we, you are, we, we really we, do. We miss you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, and I think uh, you know if there was any blo- if there was ever a bloke that bled teal, it would have to be Adam Smallwood, for sure. Absolutely, definitely. All right, so we're going to step away from the footy for a little while. We're going to try and keep this uh, try and keep this rolling. So the the next question we've got to ask Jake. So we've got to, we've got to start looking into your uh, into your club room sort of times. And um, you've got a really great mob of uh, friends out there at the moment. They're, they're such a, a fantastic family and support for you and all that sort of stuff. And I guess the question we want to know is, which one of your teammates spends the longest in the shower? <laughs> uh, look, I'd probably have to point to a couple of guys here. Like, it's quite contentious, but... Um, Big Rick in the back seat here. Going <laughs> under the bus. Look, he, he, he's got a big body to wash and, <laughs> and a big whopper dong to match. So, um, look, can't blame him. Takes but, a while, uh, <laughs> Banksy loves to take up the disabled shower because um, it's the only one that you don't have to keep pressing the button. <laughs> uh, Centennial, change it, please. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, no. Nah, look, I'm I'm probably guilty of that. I love a shower beer. Oh um, yeah. Mm. yeah. There's nothing better. So if I can savor that moment under that hot fucking steam, ooh, hot steamy shower, um, then I'll make the most of my opportunity in there. Absolutely. Yeah, generally, it's me, Wacker, Snake, and the first three cubicles. <laughs> we'll be sit standing there having a chat, like looking at each other in the mirror, like <laughs> with a beer, um, breaking down the game. Yeah, <laughs> whatever we're doing. Ed, <laughs> it, it's a silly question for anybody who knows us, but we're going to ask it anyway. What is the poison of choice while you're sitting under that hot shower? <laughs> Bush eggs. Definitely. Bush egg. Yeah, there, there's there's no question. Like, I guess my favourite beer is a free beer, and my second favourite beer is a cold beer. But <laughs> um, but if uh, yeah, if anybody out there is listening and it's their turn to buy a carton, just buy a block of bush eggs. Absolutely, because you can't go wrong. Can't go wrong. I and you I did think that tonight, Bryce. You didn't. You? We did. We did. <laughs> there is a fresh, uh, fresh uh, carton of eggs in the fridge at the moment. Yeah, are we are, are we sponsored by Export or <laughs> or are we just chasing it? There's only one way to find out. <laughs> and I guess the other big news of tonight is that uh, Big Rick in the back seat there has graduated himself. And was sitting out after training tonight with the bush egg in hand. Yes. No I've more Southern Comfort. Graduated from the side of the Southern Comfort price. He's taken me <laughs> three years in Albany. But, um, I'm on the bush chooks now. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I don't mind it. Only five bucks as well. Yeah. Trying to save a bit of money. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but, so um, how long is it yeah. until we see a carton of bush eggs in your fridge when we come round on a beer? Oh, are we, oh, are we at that stage yet? Have we got there? Yeah, well, I think, yeah, I think that could happen, mate. You think it could yeah, happen? during the year, Saturday well, night drinks. If it makes drinks. you feel any better, I'll drink a summer's beer. Yeah, I'll have, <laughs> I'll have both. I'll have, yeah, have a carton of summer's beer and a bush eggs. That's the way. <laughs> uh, it's good to see that you finally uh, finally graduated, and I think there was a few uh, tears brought to some eyes out there, see you get it done, especially <laughs> leading from the front, as you, as you always do. <laughs> it was definitely me. <laughs> Yeah, and I've copped a lot in my time for the, the drinks I've had, but um, yeah, oh, it's all part of it. That's right, that's dead right. So, Jakey, we're gonna we're gonna roll back the spotlight back on you, mate. And I guess the big news this year, 
Well, do you want to tell us? Do you want to tell? Do you want to tell everybody who's listening about the big news coming up for you in your personal life? No, you go. You seem to be all over it. Mate. Oh, mate, yeah. I'm all over it like a rash, mate, and uh, <laughs> rash. all over it like I suspect you might have been a couple of months ago. <laughs> and that is the fact that we've got a little snaky on the way. Is that the truth? This is the truth. Yeah. <laughs> it is the truth. That Ooh. is the biggest news coming out of the shark park at the moment. So, do you want to tell us what's uh, what's the feeling like at home? Yeah, it's great. I uh, recently married. Um, obviously, my beautiful wife has known for the years that we've been together that I'm married to football, um, but she has accepted a life of polygamy for me. Um, and she knows that the winter time, you know, footy comes first. But uh, yeah, now a bit of a shift um, where, yeah, two is going to become three. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, Look, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. 2019's already been a massive year and it's only going to get better from here. Absolutely. And do you feel, have you or have well, your beautiful other half, has she put any planning into the timing of when this little bub is going to be born? Has there been any thought gone into how it's going to fit into the footy season and uh, how are you going to go as far as um, raising this little snake? Uh, look, we... We we worked on it for a few months before our wedding, um, but uh, now when you say worked on it, are we talking calculators <laughs> and calendars, or are we talking practice time, mate? No, <laughs> no we're talking we're talking training days. All um, right, all right. And, and they were seven days a week, everywhere. <laughs> uh, and look, I'm on top. I'm very thankful for this, but the the powers that be upstairs. Um, so, just so happened to realise that I have a bit of a commitment to my club up until September, fingers crossed. Um, so, yeah, we're looking at late November as the due date, uh, which is perfect timing for me because that's the off-season and I can commit to being a dad rather than an absent father who, who's got uh, got another little family of his own that wear black and teal that need a bit of time and and uh, and nurturing. Absolutely. And they're all happy for you, mate. Absolutely. Oh, definitely yeah. happy for you, and it's the biggest news coming out at the moment. Um, Rochelle, she's got to be nothing but excited. Yeah, she's chuffed. Absolutely. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. That's, that's, that's all i got to say. That's all you got to say? <laughs> Keep it simple, but yeah, she, we're, we're both over the moon, and um, yeah, just can't wait for the future, but... Um, just taking it one day at a time. Fantastic, and that's what we love to hear. And uh, we're very well looking forward to the uh, to the arrival of the of your little snake. Now, um, do you have a guess as to what what, uh, what we're going for at the moment? Are we going for a little boy or a little girl? Have you got any <laughs> sort of Have you got any signs? Is there any sort of fatherly uh, signs kicking in, or are we just sort of we're just sort of winging it? What What's the plan? Uh don't know anything for sure yet but as far as I'm concerned I'm after happy and healthy um, if I get a little boy I'll be making sure that he you know has every opportunity to get to the AFL and if I have a little girl well she's going to the AFLW so <laughs> well, welcome to the future it's a brilliant world we live in fantastic and absolutely it is and um, the, the AFL women's sides are just getting bigger and better do you have a, uh, a preferred club in the back of your mind at this stage I've been a North Melbourne man my whole life, um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I, I couldn't tell you. Um, 
was I, I was an average footballer at best uh, through my teen years, and so I'll just be in the backyard with with my young fella or my young lady and just giving them everything, uh, passing on to them every little bit of knowledge I know and just hoping for the best. But happy and healthy, that's that's my goals. Anything other than that is just gravy. Absolutely. And at this stage, are you uh, have you had the conversation as to whether you're going to find out what you're having or is it all just going to be a surprise? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're a little bit early in the process to be uh, finding that sort of information out but we definitely want to know um no reason no preferences just want to be able to prepare ourselves either way absolutely Mm. fantastic there's nothing better to hear and it's going to be exciting are you going to have a big gender reveal party or have you uh sort of going to keep it down on the down low what's the plan on that one Well, probably thinking too far into the future at this stage. That's a few months away, but um, Shell's more into all the sort of sentimental stuff like that, and I'm just, I don't know, I'll, I'll probably crack a tin and tell the boys in my own time and my own space, but, um, yeah, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Right now I'm just focusing on this weekend against Royals personally. Absolutely, and it's a massive gain going ahead. And I think it can't go without saying that um, obviously we know Royals did some serious damage against Mount Barker in their league side this week coming up. How does that factor into your uh, preparation, uh, Rick, coming into a, such a big game against um, against a side that are so well set in the town of Albany? You know, they've been around for a long time. They've got a lot of uh, business backing and all that sort of stuff. Do you let the uh, 100 points, do, do you let that in the back of your mind or is that not in your game plan? Oh, you got to acknowledge how they played and how good they played last week. Like, there was a fair, you know, there's a few of us there watching. Um, no, you know, we'd never underestimate them or anything. We know we're, we've got a big challenge. Um, it's a big test for us. I think, you know, it's, it's going to, we're going to really see where we're at. We've had a win, but, you know, we go up against the best and, yeah, we know what they're capable of doing and we've just got to be prepared for that this week, but back ourselves in. And, you know, we're going there, you know, score start level. It's anyone's game, really, especially if it's wet, rains. Um, but, yeah, we always run out thinking that we can win and we're a chance. So bring it on, Bryce. Absolutely. And that's that's your mentality going into every game, Yeah, isn't it? Um, always a chance. Like, yeah, a lot of the time last year, these teams, Royals, North Albany, might have been missing a few or... Or whatever, but regardless of that, just you're always a chance. You just back your side in. Yeah, and I guess with the, with the structures that we've been working on all preseason long, I think we're going to be that little bit more deadly all year long, and it's going to be uh, it's going to be a bit of a bit of a surprise to a lot of sides. And I think um, we might have shown that against uh, Royals when we played them in uh, the AFLX Carnival, and we were actually I think from memory ten points up at half time, and we mm. really really put a bit of um, bit of a fright into them, I think. I think it's probably more than fair to say. What do you think about that, Jake? Yeah, look, uh, AFLX is one thing. Mm-hmm. AFL, as, as we're playing now, is is another thing entirely. Um, we opened up well against them at the carnival and their experience and, and, and their young talent sort of got over the top of us because we got a little bit cocky. And that's, like, that's the nature of the game. That's the way it goes. 
Um, but this weekend is a whole nother beast entirely. Um, I completely agree with, with, with what Rick said uh, in the sense that you're always a chance. The scores start level and it's about how you carry yourself, how you prepare yourself. Um, the attitude and, and intensity that you go in with. Um, but anything can happen on game day. Um, yeah. wet, wet conditions should favour us, but it's going to be up to that 22 that, you know, uh, step onto the par to play 100, 100 minutes of footy mm. and give it everything they got because we're right in this. But we've never been in this position before as well. We've never been in a top-of-the-table clash. Yeah, um, massive game. Yeah. <laughs> and and we, more we, than a top of the table two. clash, I think it's I think it's important to point out that it's a top of the table derby clash. It's yeah. it's yeah. these are words that we've never spoken before at the Shark yeah. Park, and it and it's nothing but excitement going into it. Um, it's such a massive fixture, and you know it's got to be talked about all day long, all around town. It's got to be the talk of the town at the moment. But it's only round one. And it's it's a fifteen round season. It's a long year, so we're just focusing on the bigger goal at hand and sticking to the process and ignoring the results because the results will take care of themselves in the long run if we can sort of approach this mm. the right way and take the positives where they come and build on the negatives. So moving into such a big clash, is there any specific game day ritual that you guys have to prepare? Is there any, do we have any lucky oh. socks or uh, <laughs> any particular rituals or, or maybe breakfasts? What, what's, what's the go? What does it look like at your house, Richter, when it's, um, oh, when, yeah. it's when it's game day? What, what yeah, does it look like? Yeah, Bryce, I'd like to, you know, I'll make sure I have a good sleep. I don't like to sleep in too late, but I'll get up. I like to watch a bit of AFL game day or something, just a bit of a footy show, something light-hearted, get a feel for it, start thinking about it. I usually go to, say, like Macca's, get a coffee, nothing else, <laughs> get my latte um, and just, you know, sit around, just have something to eat, think about the game and then I head down and get some lunch there at the game or at home and watch the resis and, yeah, have a kick. So, so no, no particular ritual in there other than the coffee, obviously. So, no, no, uh, yeah, nothing special. Uh, nothing really. No, not really. That is superstitious like that. Um, yeah, it's just, just the same for me, mate. Mm. I probably could, you know, start something maybe if it works. <laughs> I used to always have bacon and eggs before I played. Um, Dad used to make that for me when I was a junior, and that was sort of the Saturday brekkie before game day, uh, on game day. But yeah, it's just. Nothing at the moment. So did you snake. did you take uh, did you take note of anything going into Saturday uh, Sunday's game against uh, against Denmark? Did you take any take any note of anything you might have done particularly different mm. leading into the game, or is there anything that you might try again this week going into it? Helped out in the canteen. Okay, <laughs> I have All to right. do that again. <laughs> I'm um, sure they won't mind a couple of volunteers with the hair up. up or the or the man bun. <laughs> That's right. Yep. So we're going to see more of that. More is that, of that is that a feature? Is that going to is that going to be a staying thing? Are we going to uh, see more of the man bun? Yeah, I'm in two minds, Bryce. I'm thinking of cutting my hair, but I also like the length, so I might keep growing it and continue to tie it up. So. Um, yeah, see what the listeners reckon. <laughs> All right, maybe we should start a poll and see how we go with that. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I suppose on the weekend, 
yeah, I just felt like just had plenty of time. I gave myself plenty of time to prepare, think about the game. So, yeah, if I can just keep doing that, you know, get down there early and with the boys, just have a chat, watch the resis. I think, yeah, that might help a bit. Just get into that whole game yeah, day sense. Having, you know, not that I ever really do, but you have things on in the morning, you're rushing around or whatever, and, and you to game day, then it's on, or get to the game, it's on. Mm. Just give yourself plenty of time, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. And Jake, I've, I can't help but feel that your routine's a little bit different. Um, you're usually down there pretty early, as far as I can see, getting involved with the young fellas. What's, what's your game day routine look like? Um, just as, as as a standard game day coming in on a Sunday, what does it look like? I guess I'm I'm taking a little bit of a step back this year. Um, put a lot of years into the 16s and Colts as mm. their runner, um, or assistant coach, or many years ago the coach. And this year is more about me being able to focus on my own game. And I'm coaching under 14s, so that's a bit of a oxymoron in itself. Um, but I, I generally like to get down early and just support and give, impart whatever knowledge I can or like Rick did on the weekend, jump in the canteen and make a few sangers and, you know, flash the, flash the old snake charm around. <laughs> um, but, you know, it takes an army and it's a big job to to run a club and there's a lot of volunteers required so I just like to do my part and Mm. if everybody just did their part sort of once or twice a year um, it'd be a much easier show to run yeah and I think this year going forward our um, volunteer list uh, I think it was Chubb that said it on our jumpers night which is that our volunteer list is doing such a great job because when we do well off the field, we do well on the field. You know, we're getting all the people mm. in the right areas. Um, we've got trainers. We've got two fantastic uh, medical staff in Taryn and Caitlin this year, uh, as well as others who are always kicking around, giving a hand. We've got such a great roster of people who are doing every little bit behind the scenes to make sure that we're as successful and as smoothly ran as we possibly can be. Um, and I think that's just going to be more of a credit to our success going forward mm. yeah definitely um yeah snakes and yeah um agree with this like you know when i came to the club in 2016 at north like when we were at north albany like we were struggling weren't we for volunteers like mm. you know we didn't have really well like i was i think that was bryce's first year to the club but tracy you know yeah just sort of starting out or i don't know if she was yeah but anyway like we were just really struggled getting people there and then you know everyone's just you know just come in we've got a, a really strong committee now like tracy does a mountain of work oh absolutely so many people that just um have stepped up and just been incorporated in it's just been great and it's funny how the success seems to be coming just all at the right time when it when we've got all that backing going on you know tracy does as we all know does such a mountain of work um she she's always there she's the last one last one to leave first one there uh jeff's much the same he's running the scoreboard through the majority of the games and all those sorts of things but it just seems to be that they come hand in hand as you'd imagine we've got all the right support and all the, and all the result you know finally for round one has gone our way and we've got nowhere to go from here but directly upwards and I think it's a fantastic time to be 
involved in such a such a great club, which, as you said, Jake, has been such a project from the get-go, from right back in 2008 when we first got off the ground. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, I don't think it's so much coincidence. I, th- I think... I think the off-field success needed to come before the on-field success would. Um, and year by year, we've we've added, you know, a, a few dedicated volunteers and a few good blokes to, as I said earlier, sort of stick through the hard times and and build something. Um, and this year has just seen an absolute influx. Absolutely, because of talent as well. You know, we we seem to be attracting all the right players who want to be involved yeah. in the the story that is going to be the the um, Albany Sharks. You know, they want to be a part of the a part of the journey and not just uh, part of the result. Mm. Um, and that had been sort of evident for years. Obviously, I'd talking I'd I'd talk to a lot of guys over the bar when I used to work on it, and just outside of outside of football time and. A lot of guys used to used to say to me, sort of, oh yeah, like I might come join the Sharks next year, but they never came because it was a hard task and it required some really good people who were willing to put the success of a group before success of their own to sort of stick tight and stick to structures and just keep working and keep building that strong off-field culture and just proving to the outside world that we were the real deal. And you know, now we're here, and we're not going anywhere. <laughs> no, we're only going up, as we said, you know. Yeah, that's right. exactly where we're headed. That's it. Now, another thing that uh, we wanted to touch on tonight, especially while we've got our special guest, uh, Jake the Snake, with us, and that is exactly that. You've had the, the nickname Jake the Snake for what has been... Almost a lifetime for you, I guess, hasn't it? It's been it's been a, a nickname that you've. When, when did it start? Did it start at the beginning of your time with the with the sharks, or was it something you carried on from your school days? And your work? Uh, yeah, so obviously, like with a name like Jake, you're gonna cop the snake uh, fairly regularly. Um, when I came to the sharks, Jake the got dropped, and it's always just been Snake. If you call me Snake, you're essentially on first name terms. Um, before I came to the Sharks, when I played for University Football Club, I used to get called the Crim because I had tattoos and a shaved head. Um, an ugly looking mug at that, but uh, we'll leave that for another podcast. Um, so I don't know. Like I've had I've had a couple through the times, and I guess I've always taken on the persona of uh, of my nickname. But I just let all my list, all the listeners know now, like. You know, I might be ven- venomous, but I'm not as scaly as the nickname might uh, might, <laughs> might maybe seem to be. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I guess I'll throw it open to to a little bit of a conversation if we could, yeah, think about giving me a new persona. Uh, I'm edging on thirty, so I feel less like a. Less like a snake and more like a Komodo dragon. <laughs> um, but yeah, well, given your connection to the uh, to the North uh, North uh, North Melbourne Football Club, 
we have had a bit of a thought, Rick and I, and we've we've uh, we've come up with something that we think might suit you. And uh, once again, this might have to go up to a vote because it's uh, it's a big deal changing, obviously, from Snake to uh, to another name. But uh, the Centurion, you've been around for such a long time. You're a legacy at the club. <laughs> And if we're going to relate that back to, to the uh, Kangaroos Football Club, the only name that comes out from there is good old Boomer Harvey. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe it's time for a change from Snake to Boomer. How does that one sit with you oh, off the top of the tongue? Look, it'd be an honour, but I don't know if I've quite earned it. Um, <laughs> I'm no Boomer. <laughs> uh, that guy is an absolute legend. And no one could do what that guy has done. That's an unbeatable record, if you ask me. <laughs> well, once upon a time... On the journey to Boomer. On the journey to Boomer, absolutely. And once upon a time, it might have been said that uh, 100 games from the Sharks would be an absolute uh, an absolute misnomer, especially given the fact that, you know, as we've said, you know, there was there was 200-point floggings involved and, and you've rocked up every single time. So maybe it is yeah. time to start considering that time served might not necessarily equal <laughs> yeah, the, the amount of experience endure, that you've got so. to uh, endure, exactly. So, um, And I guess that leads into our probably one of our biggest questions and, and the big question for the night, which is, how much time has Jake the Snake slash Boomer <laughs> got left in the legs? What, what, what does it look like for you uh, as... Uh, as a as a league player in the Sharks, how many games have you, did you feel the body's got left in it? That's a good question. Um, when I joined the club, I wanted to play 50 league games. And then I made 50. And so I said to myself, OK, I want to play 100. And I was the first to 100. Um, and then I said to myself, OK, I want to play 150. I want to get my life membership. I think I could play 200. Uh, I've I've missed three games in seven years, so I've been pretty resilient up till now. But I'm edging on thirty, and from what I'm told, after thirty things sort of take a little bit of a downward spiral. But I've always taken real good care of my body in the off season. Um, I do what I need to do to get myself in the right shape to to front up another year. Um, I train twice a week, every week, all the way through pre-season, and I'm not blowing my own trumpet. I'm just saying it because if anybody is listening that aspires to play league footy, then front up and be a part of it because it takes a real commitment and it takes an absolute army. So the more people that we have down putting that effort in every week, the stronger we'll be. And if in a few years they decide that I'm too old and too slow to be worthy of a league game in our young, fit, successful side, then so be it. I'll take on a coaching role. I have no problems with that. Um, But I'll keep playing until coach tells me that I'm playing no more. So there's no room for you don't see yourself down in the blood side, um, you know, especially as, as a leader down in that side at the moment? Or when you know, as, as as we're talking about, what may come in the future? Oh, absolutely. Um, I I say I say when coach says. I mean when the coaching staff say. Um, 
I don't know, like, with with a family on the way for the first time in my life, like it's a pretty big it's a pretty big question to be answering right now because priorities may change. Um, but right now, you know, footy footy is my life nine months out of the year, and I don't see that changing. And when I'm too old to play, or I can't risk the body anymore, then I'll step into a coaching role. Um, which I'm already doing with the under-14s. But I just love the game. And I love how it changes a young man. Um, And so for as long as I'm able to, I will keep a role within within my footy club. Absolutely, and I think that's um, I think that's pretty much the nail on the head. You know, as far as we can see, you're going to be around for a long time. Um, you know, your leadership down the back line there is absolutely uh, it's absolutely key, and it's going to be key to hopefully many more uh, victories as as the uh, season rolls on. Um, I don't think that we could uh, we could pick a better bloke to start off our, our podcast with, and I think we've uh, hit the we've done the right thing, and we've we've had the. <laughs> We've done ourselves a favour because we've got someone obviously uh, with as much experience and as many stories to tell as yourself, and uh, it's done nothing but make our job easier. I think tonight, don't you think, Rick? Oh yeah, oh, it's been great. It's been so much history. You've been there since day dot. It's about and um, you know many more years to come. Like it's a brilliant thing. It's only round one. And there's plenty more. I'm glad this is audio only because you boys are going to make me blush, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> for anybody who's listening at home, I think red like a beetroot's probably about the, uh, what we're going for at the moment. But uh, listen, I think we've just about run out of all the time that we've needed to get yeah. through our questions. It's been um, a good debut, Bryce. I, I really think it well, has. Um, so big shout out to uh, Big Rick Wapadong for putting out the idea and... Uh, Hopefully you all hear more from uh, Rick and Force's Feeding Frenzy. Thanks very much, Jake, for your time. Thanks for having me, boys. And uh, good luck thank, for the weekend. Yeah, mate. absolutely. Good luck against done. Royals, and let's get the job done. Right back at you. All right. <laughs> I think there's only one thing to sign off with, is that is up the sharks. Up the sharks. Up the sharks. Up the sharks. <laughs>